Welcome to the 500th episode of Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle. I'm Bobby Osinski, and this is a show all about music, music production, and the music business. My guest today is the same guest that was on episode 1, 100, 200, 300, and 400, and that's engineer Dennis Moody. First of all, TikTok has introduced artist accounts specifically for musicians. This is something for every artist that has uploaded at least four songs to the platform. Now, what this is supposed to do is signify to the TikTok community and potential new fans that you are an artist. TikTok is also releasing a new release tool for those that have artist accounts. So what will happen is it's a promo tool that allows artists to highlight a new track for up to 14 days before it's released or for 30 days after it's released. And it also highlights the new release on discovery pages of catalog sounds. Now, the new artist accounts also feature a music tab that makes a list of the artist's tracks with any new tracks automatically added to the list. Plus, this track list will display the number of TikTok videos each track has been used in, as well as 30-second clips of the tracks. This is important because that's how you get paid on TikTok. It's not the number of plays that your video gets. It's the number of videos that's using your music. In more TikTok news, the platform just launched a feature called Add to Music App, and that lets users save songs that they discover on TikTok to streaming services like Spotify and Amazon Music and Apple Music. It's now available in 21 countries. So both of these new features are great for artists, which have always been somewhat neglected on the platform. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyosinski.com. Also, I'm pleased to announce that my new Musician's AI Handbook is now available. It's packed with information about how AI can help you with new song, lyric, mixing, and mastering ideas, as well as music marketing to help you get your music out to the audience that you deserve. To get your copy, go to rebrand.ly forward slash AI Handbook. That's rebrand.ly forward slash AI Handbook. You can also find it on Amazon and Apple Books. Now here's something that could change immersive music. I think we all agree that Dolby Atmos is a clever technology that sounds terrific in a movie theater, but has never really translated to the home. Even though there are now some excellent soundbars out there, the good ones are more expensive than most TVs. And multiple speakers around the room are just never going to be part of the home the way it is now. Dolby was actually hoping for Atmos to take off with headphone users, but Apple's clumsy spatial audio doesn't translate well, and most users have had a bad experience. As a result, you just don't hear any buzz over immersive music, and there's virtually no demand, even though the labels are still remixing everything in sight. Not only that, many believe the Sony 360 is a better system, but it really suffers from lack of exposure. There may be another way, though. Samsung and Google recently announced an open-source immersive format that offers consumers an easy way to get an immersive experience. The new technology is called IAMF, or Immersive Audio Model and Formats. The big thing here is that it will automatically adjust to the speaker source, and it will allow users to adjust the sound, which you can't do with Atmos. Now, here's the thing. Google creates a lot of different things, but not many of them catch on. But this time, they're partnered with Samsung. And Samsung is one of the biggest consumer electronics brands on the planet. Not only that, so many consumer electronic brands are actually just rebranded Samsung devices. 
So when you think about it, it shouldn't take too long to have the system implemented into a wide range of new products. The real question is, what's going to happen to all those new Dolby Atmos studios that people invested in? This news might make some people think twice before taking a plunge from now on. When I first started this podcast way back in April of 2014, the first person I thought to call was Dennis Moody. We worked together a lot over the years, and he's really been a great friend and a super knowledgeable person I can always go for to get some great advice and some great information. Dennis is unique in that he's comfortable in both studio and live concert settings. He's also comfortable mixing a rock or jazz band as he is doing an orchestra. Dennis is also known as the drummer's engineer because he's the guy that all the A-list drummers call when they want to make their solo record. Dennis is also one of the most traveled people that I know. I know a lot of people that travel a lot, but Dennis takes the cake here. He's just telling me that he's coming up on 100 countries. Not many people can say that. During the interview, we spoke about some of the exotic places around the world Dennis has visited recently, finding high-quality gear in out-of-the-way places, what the world looks like post-pandemic, the typical problems he has to fix in home recordings, some excellent travel tips, and so much more. I spoke with Dennis from his studio in Los Angeles. I just looked, and it's been two years since we did this. You were on episode number 400. This is episode number 500. Wow. And episode number one you were on. So we've come a long way here. So in these two years, where have you been? Because you're the <laughs> well, most traveled person I know. Where haven't I been? Uh, no, just kidding. Wow. Well, uh, last year was really great. Uh, I went two years, in the last, maybe it was two years ago now. Uh, we went, no, it was the last year. I went with Keiko Matsui. We did solo piano with some orchestral playbacks on a couple of numbers. Myself and Keith, her lighting engineer who lives in Washington, D.C., we went to Kazakhstan, which was a trip. You know, I've, I've always been fascinated about Central Asia. And so we went to Kazakhstan. We went to Moldova. We went to Baku, Azerbaijan. Uh, where else did we go? Well, in Prague. The last day we were in Prague. And that was nice. And then also with Keiko, earlier in the year, we did a benefit for a children's uh, kids' uh, music school and art school down in, down in Paraguay, um, which was amazing. I mean, it's way down there it's, uh, and, uh, in South America. And uh, it was a benefit. So they just gave me a little expense money, and I volunteered my services to go down and do this or fully mic'd orchestral show so um which was really fun interesting uh, the crew was great nobody spoke english mi espanol is mucho malo <laughs> very bad but uh we did okay and it was really great uh, uh a great uh show and we got to go to iguazu falls and uh, in brazil which is like 20 um, Niagara Falls in a row. Oh, it's just beautiful. So there, South America, I went back to Columbia and did a class in Cali uh, for the big university there uh, about two weeks before the AES show down there. So a lot of my friends, I'm seeing pictures, go, oh, wow, I was just there. So 
that. Uh, where else did I go? Jakarta, Indonesia with Patty Austin. We did a um, tribute to Bob James, full, full orchestra in, you know, 5,000 seat hall, fully mic'd, which was really fun. So, and that's it. Where else did I go? Just in London, Dubai, took a side trip to Oman because I've always been fascinated about that. Beautiful. People have no idea. I highly recommend the drive if they're in Dubai. And where else did I go? I went to um, Fresno. No. <laughs> Pomona. Yeah, all those. Yeah, there's probably some more I can't can't remember off the top of my head, but it's been pretty, pretty busy. Okay, so here's the question. So you're going to all these exotic places. Do you have trouble with the gear? Is it outdated? Is it up to date? Actually, that's a great question because I asked for on Keiko's tour, for example, we're in Kazakhstan and people think Borat, which is absolutely false. It's quite a beautiful place. I asked for an M32 or an X32, figuring that I could get those anywhere. And they go, sorry, we don't have that, but we have a CL5, Yamaha. And that's my console of choice. I love those consoles. I still, and everybody had them except one place didn't have them. And I, I don't, uh, where was it? Actually, that was in Kazakhstan, one of the Kazakhstan shows we had the, uh, something. I don't know what it was, but the guy, I didn't like it. <laughs> it was, pain in the butt for me but the the no most everywhere they had everything they had the dpa 4099s with the magnetic uh holders for the piano so i was able to mic the piano hide the wires back around the piano and she's just solo with a nine foot concert grand it looked like it wasn't mic'd because we had no mic stands up there and it was really a great visual and then keith with the lights doing the lights um just did a great job so it was uh, it was really nice, and so no, I, I very rarely. Sometimes they try and cheap out the promoters, and they'll just give you some broken stuff. But uh, other than that, it's everything's pretty pretty easy to get these days. It seems like things have come a long way because there was a point in time where you couldn't expect that. No. No, no, no. I asked for my M7CL because we could get that anywhere. And uh, I still love that console. See all 48 faders at once. I like that. But uh, anyway, they're, they're, it's pretty easy to get stuff now, most of most everywhere. You mentioned you were doing a lot of full orchestra uh, along with Keiko. How do you go about miking that? Brass, I'll use a 58. Low brass, I'll use a D112 or a something, you know, 421, um, strings, uh, woodwinds I use, uh, I like to use 451s, but you know, you can't get those everywhere. So, uh, SM 81 on woodwinds, uh, uh, you know, all the high brass 58 and on the, the strings, I use the high strings and the mid strings, uh, the violi, violas. I'll use a DPA 40, uh, 4099 clip on. I've started using them on the contrabasses now too, because they move and the, the cellos, and the celli, I know that's correct. I've been using those because they move around and they don't, they're, they're more concerned about playing than where their microphone is. So I've started using those even on the lower strings, but it works great. Yeah, fully mic'd 
biggest one I did was 160 piece fully mic'd down at the Microsoft in LA. But I think, I don't think we've talked since then. That was a trip. No, I don't think so. Yeah. But I had two consoles. I had a CL5 72 uh, channels fully loaded. And then I had an M, uh, M7 CL on the side because I needed to see all the faders. I didn't have time to flip through. And I had actually had Y kick cords on some of the high strings just to um, just to get it. And I worked with Antium Sound, Martin Clays over at Antium. Just fantastic. We strategized that and because my experience of doing those for decades now, these fully mic'd orchestras, I was able to go in and we, we had a meeting for a few hours. We sorted everything out and it just went off like, like just perfectly. What have you seen since you've traveled so much in and out of the country? What have you seen changed post-pandemic from pre-pandemic? Now, not that much. Uh, uh, but at the beginning when it opened, it was smaller crews, less experienced crews. Because there was a gap, you know, there's a two-year gap of people coming into the industry and learning, and all of a sudden it stopped. You couldn't, I, I couldn't find a sub or, or a, an assistant for, for two years. It was almost impossible. To, uh, so that's the one thing I noticed, but it seems to be filling up again now because it's been maybe two years since we've been open again, and they're yeah. starting to come back in. But we lost a whole two years of new people coming in and it's it was that was the thing i noticed the most just trying to find good help it was impossible for but but it's coming back it's pretty much the same as it was does that mean it's the same people have the same people come back or these are new people that you're seeing i see uh some of the older people that have been around and but i do see a lot of new younger people coming in which is a huge relief yeah yeah right (laughs) yeah what are we gonna do uh to cover all these bases, you know. It's yeah. The show I did in Vancouver last Saturday for this Persian singer, we had probably 40 people on the crew, lights, video walls, everybody. And, and at the start, there might be four. There'd be three guys on the video wall, one audio guy going between front of house and monitors and one lighting guy. And that's it. Because wow. they just couldn't get anybody. But now it's coming back. Yeah, that's the difference I've seen mostly. Did you ever do any work with SSE in the UK? I don't know. I don't think so. They were a, a pretty big company that did U2 worldwide, Metallica, in, at least in Europe. I have a lot of shows in London, but I, I know uh, uh, Wembley Arena, not the stadium. I did three or four times there with uh, Gugush, the Persian artist that came to that show. Anaheim, uh, she played at Wembley about three times, and I don't know who supplied the the supplemental audio on that. It could have been them. It could have been them. The only reason why I bring it up is uh, the guy who owned it is a good friend of mine, and uh, he sold out right before the pandemic, which is a you know a great time. But we got to talking. He was in town last week, and we got to talking, and he said that there's a uh, there was a company from Canada that bought him, and unfortunately nobody in upper management go to concerts so he went to the ceo and he said have you ever been to a concert and she said no i don't much like music (laughs) so he said okay who do you kind of like she said oh michael buble okay we're doing michael buble coming up 
I want you to come and just watch the whole thing as it happens. The whole we're, process. Yeah. We're going to start at 6.30. He says, well, why do I have to go that early? He says, well, if you want to see how this works, you, you have to come right from the beginning. Yeah. He says, no, no, I, you know, I will come at um, 11 o'clock. And she, it turns out she never did show up. Wow. And, and then he thought to himself, oh. I'm selling to these people. That's too bad. Too bad yeah, when it, when it gets like corporate that. like that. Yeah, it's getting more of that too. I see. You know, you know, I I'm advancing shows and uh, for for this Vancouver show, and I'm talking to the guy, and I go, so so, what time are you going to be? And he goes, oh, I won't be there. I'm I'm in Missouri right now, or something like that. Uh, okay. Uh, he was really effective, and they had the, probably one of the best crews we've had recently. So yeah. He, fulfilled everything properly but uh yeah it was uh, it's odd the, the, the other thing he was telling me you'll appreciate this so he was saying that the touring industry doesn't get any support in the uk from parliament mm. and finally they got their local government official you know just to talk to him and she came in and she saw the setup and she says well um how long does it take you to set up? And he says, well, you know, just a day. We started this morning. We're going to break down tonight. We're someplace else tomorrow night. She says, no, that's impossible. How many people do you have? Eight. He says, that's impossible. He says, well, we're really good at it. That's why we could do that. And she just couldn't get into her brains that this is what happens. This is the touring industry. This is what people do. Nobody does, especially the people, the the fans, the people who just attend the show. They don't know. They walk in and they think, oh, they have no idea what happens. Yeah. No idea. And sometimes the setups don't go smoothly. You know, so people show up late and stuff like that, especially on these last shows I did in, in Manchester. Oh, I, I have to tell you, this is hilarious. I walk in. We drove from London. We had a show that night, so th they tried to get a as late start as possible. Driving from London to Manchester is about a three and a half hour drive. Yeah. And we go well. Listen, we get there. The video wall be all set up. We get there. We park in front of the venue, and these guys are rolling cases in. I go, what? What's that for? I wonder what. The, maybe they're storing them for a show they're doing tomorrow. Because the video guys, they're supposed to show up at 8 a.m. They showed up at 2.30. Oh. It takes three hours to put up a video wall. So we couldn't do anything. It was it was just complete chaos, complete chaos. But uh, the show goes on. People don't know. They walk in and they go, oh, great. Here's my seat. Grab a beer. Have a show. Yeah. Let's go home. That was fun. No idea. What trends are you seeing? You just mentioned a couple, but... Is there anything that you're seeing? And this could be in the studio or it could be in live. Live, it's pretty much back to how it was. They're just using uh, less people to do the jobs. They used to have a lot more people on these crews. Studio, uh, I see a, I, I'm, I'm nothing, nothing really new. Nothing really new except a lot of home People, musicians doing stuff at home now are like, you know, I'm, I'm a full-fledged engineer. It's my main profession now. I go, no, it's, it's, it's like I stopped playing music when I was 16 to become an engineer, and I focused it. You, you spread yourself thin. You might, I think musicians who are engineers, of course, they have a musical understanding. Some of them have really great ears, but they're a musician slash engineer. 
you know, it's a, there's a difference to me about someone who dedicates their whole life and all their time to focus on, uh, on one profession, you know, otherwise you're just half a, a musician and you're half an engineer. I see a lot of, a uh, lot of, a lot of stuff coming from home now still that, that didn't stop. That's the thing that came with the pandemic. It's nothing really new going on. Well, what I've noticed is, yes, there's a lot of people doing it, but it's for the same reason that they've always done it. I can't afford to hire who I want or record where I want, so I'll just do it at home to save money. I have to fix it. Yes, you're the fixer, yeah. It's good because I have a lot of work, but on the other hand, it's like, it's it, it diminishes in some cases can diminish the quality of of uh of what the final product will be because you're limited like you have to redo all the flying a sample on all the kick drums to make it sound like a kick drum the snare drum and little things like that but i got a lot of tricks to fix up those messes <laughs> okay so what's the typical problem that you see i'm um, just not uh, a poorly recorded source you know they don't they, they might sound okay but l like low levels or over compressed or um wrong mic choice for a vocalist super sibilant super bright super edgy um just oh it's a great mic i paid eighteen hundred dollars for this mic so i'm gonna put it through my three hundred dollar converter uh, you know, that I bought and, and it, they just don't sound good. Um, so I have to go through uh, a lot and, and fix it. Most of the vocals, I, it's hard to get a really great sounding vocal uh, recording from home. I just, I, I have to do a lot to, to them to get them to sound, uh, sound right, in my opinion, you know, what sound right. I think a lot of it has to do with people don't understand that you have to pair the microphone with the source so the, just because you have a great mic it doesn't necessarily mean it's the perfect one for a vocalist for instance right might be a cheap mic that'll work better it's funny i saw that last night you know we always hear about michael jackson using the sm7 or whatever on his vocals yeah. i don't i never saw him do a session so i don't even know if that's really true i saw a thing online yesterday i'm singing into a c12 I go, okay, well, then he doesn't use SM7 or whatever it is. I'm not a fan of those. We used to use an RE20. Remember the RE20 and the vocal yeah, mics yeah, yeah. for a Motown stuff? I know Stevie Wonder used that for a while. Well, Bruce Sudin told me that he did use SM7s most of the time. Did, yeah. Yeah, on Michael. on Michael. Yeah, it was the, you know, to him it was the perfect match yeah but he didn't do everything with them and i know that when michael did his vocals his demos at home which are supposed to be very good you know he might have used something else so yeah even 58 you know i've got 50 it's to sound like better than the c12 would work in a certain situation you know so you never know yeah okay like all of us who like to collect gear, what's your latest collections <laughs> like? What? Well, I kind of stopped a couple. I stopped at the pandemic because I was considering uh, purchasing a building, you know, where I can in LA where I could live and work. So I said, no more gear. The, my, oh, my latest acquisition, new air conditioner pump. <laughs> <laughs> Studio. Yeah, that's kind of it. Um, I have a, my eye on a couple things that I actually 
My latest acquisition was a, a API 10 channel 500 series mm. uh, rack. That's it. Okay. That's nothing that's going to enhance the quality of the sound. I had another rack in there, but it had some problems with the fuses that they built and they were hardwired in there. So my tech had to go in and find it. They said, send it back to us. We'll fix it and send it back to you. I can't do that. So I had my tech come down, fix the channels that were problematic. And it continued. They'd just start popping off one by one. It was a cheaper unit, but he came in and redid all of them. He found out what the value was and it works great. So I have a 10 space 500 series rack empty sitting in my office in the back of going, okay, what am I going to put in there? Eventually will. But right now I'm looking at a 67 reissue. I, I I'm really want to get one of those. I mean, just number one for the name of the quality and the reputation. And Al Schmidt at a, one of our lunches told me people don't even know. They bring this, we want U67. So they bring out the reissues over at Capitol and they go, wow, so great to have these mics. And it's the, it's the one that I can go down to buy a guitar center even order one yeah but it's expensive though yeah they raised the price a thousand bucks since when i was going to make my last purchase on it i want to get some josephson's e33s for tom mics but those are expensive but well worth it uh they're for toms okay so i'd need four of them it'd cost me close to eight grand for four of them for toms uh they just i've never heard anything like them they're similar to the old 451s with the swivel on them, 10 dB pad. They had the sound. And with, when I was recording a, a project with Dave Weckl, we were over at Conway recording. And I said, hey, Dave, can I throw these up? Because he's a sure guy. So everything that goes on his record is from his sures. But I said, let me throw these up there just to compare. And they were incredible. They, they, they loaned me a pair uh, to try. But... Uh, it's not in the budget right now, you know, uh, but it will be as soon as I get, you know, a little more settled, so I'm going to uh, probably go out and go shopping. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> a lot of new stuff. Christmas is coming up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. I wouldn't mind having that building though. Since I can put nails in my wall instead of my landlord's wall. Travel tips. Uh, travel tips. That's easy. I never check a bag. I've never checked a bag in 20 years. I have a, I got this bag at Ikea for 70 bucks and it's incredible. And they go, that won't fit. And I go zip, zip, zip. I go, now it does because it pulls apart and one's a backpack. It's a roller bag with a backpack bag on that zips up on it. It's great. Uh, my tip is to keep it as, as light as you can. You know, I see people packing for a week. Uh, you know, I, I can use the same packing techniques for three days or three weeks. I just add an extra pair of socks, underwear, and another shirt, and, and I wash them in the sink. Yeah. At the hotels, if I'm going to be there more than three days, using the shampoo and hang them up, um, that allows me to travel very light. Um, I, uh, Always fly with one airline. I try to. Star Alliance is mine, which is United and Lufthansa and those because I have credit. In fact, uh, this year I need two more flights to get my 24 flight legs. Um, I have all the points. I have all the money requirements for that. And then I'll be 
middle star lines gold, which allows you, uh, incredible more perks, you know, you get to go into, uh, so into, um, economy plus free, yeah. you get free book for free. I get to go, um, <coughs> I get a lot of, it's a lot of extra perks. So my advice is to stay with one, try and stay with one airline if you can and sign up and get the points. Um, TSA pre-check, that's another one. That's a really good one. I've had that since it started. I heard about that. I signed up immediately. Yeah, I'm on yeah. my third renewal on that already of the five years. Yeah. Changed my life. Uh, global entry. That's another one. Now it's funny. I came back from Jakarta when I was there with Patty Austin a couple months ago. And I'm walking. Some lady comes up to me. It looked like an iPhone. She went, pink in my face. And she goes, welcome home, Mr. Moody. I go, wow. Is that it? Yeah, you can go. Do you know about MPC, the, the, the app, the mobile passport control app? I've heard about that and I've seen it. Yeah, it, it's an app and you can only fill it in four hours before you fly or you only have four hours basically when you, you, you land someplace uh, to use it. You put in all the information, it has your passport and then it will print out a custom QR code, QR code. Yeah. on the phone and all I have to do is hit you know put it down and I get off and through faster at least in the United States than global entry mm, interesting. fly through fly through I've seen it I was curious about it you know I'll have to check that out yeah MPC mobile passport yeah. control well, I do have another tip that's really important it's probably the most important one and people don't know they try and save 10 bucks and it kind of kicking in the butt always book directly, you know, I'll go on, uh, Expedia and I'll look at the flight options and see what's there and look at the price. And then I'll go to United and I'll look, and it's pretty much the same price because you have zero recourse when you book through those, you know, if you have a problem let's say, talk to your travel agent, we can't help you. This is a huge problem. I always book direct rental cars, hotels. I, I did, uh, I did uh, book a hotel through Expedia and I saved 10 bucks a night maybe. And I had, I had problems. I had problems and I couldn't do anything about it. They don't care. I've been using hotels.com for a long, long time and I've never had a problem. They've yeah. always been pretty good, but, but that's the only thing. I do the same thing as far as booking direct for uh, airlines and for yeah. car rentals and things like that. It seems it's to work so better. important, man. It can backfire on you. I just had a travel agent who uh, booked the ticket. First time I used them, they said, please use our travel agent. And I said, okay, I'll try it. And it messed me up. I had a middle seat. Oh. oh. Middle seat. And I had no, it was to uh, Canada somewhere. And I go, oh. okay, I did it your way once. And fortunately, I have an agreement with them that I can book my own flights. So. I said, okay, we're just going to do it the other way. Thank you. We tried. It didn't work. Yeah, yeah. I'm executive platinum on American. Oh, cool. So it's the same thing. When Once you get those perks, you don't want to give them up. And you'll, no, you no, know, no. As a matter of fact, I may have to do a mileage run here coming soon. You know, to yeah, get it for look. next year. Yeah, I got to go to Vegas. We have a Christmas Eve gig at the Coliseum at Caesars with this uh, Persian artist I'm working with, which is, I should tell you more about that in a minute, but uh, it's uh, 
So I, you know, I have my house in Joshua Tree, and I was going to go out there and drive through the desert. It's a three-hour beautiful drive. Yeah, great drive. Yeah, no cars and stuff, but I have to actually come back to LA because there's no direct flight from Palm Springs. I have to come back to LA, fly to Vegas, do the three days there, and then come back and then drive back out to the desert because it's my last flight. I need those two more flight legs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get a the funny things we'll do for that. It's fun. You know, I know. I know. I've yeah. gone out of my way sometimes to make the flight more difficult because I needed the the miles yeah. or the legs or something like that. Yeah. And you have to do it. Oh, yeah. that's one. They just thought of something. Maybe I should have just booked a ticket to San Francisco and then the separate flight to San Francisco and back. Oh, I could have done it. One. Oh, well. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> so, what have you learned new in the two years since we've done this? To be more patient <laughs> is, is one that's a personal thing, you know, because everybody, and I think it goes back to this pandemic lull and new people, you know, that the people that are your support people aren't as uh, experienced as they were because we're missing that two-year two hole in there of qualified people. So I learned to be a lot more patient. I learned to be more supportive with the new people. I love, <clears throat> I love helping new people. You know, I love helping the people get in there. I love hiring someone to come help me, like be my script person and shadow me around and help. Uh, uh, technologically, um, I'm learning more about the gear I use because I'm using it more often. So I'm getting deeper into setups and stuff like that. Before I'd come and have the tech, okay, here's my thing. I'm pushing the faders and doing a show. I'm not interested in that because I don't need to know that for what I need to do with my job. But I'm I'm trying to get a little more deeper into the technology behind the gear that I use, and it's helps helps me a lot actually. Not really uh, a lot. I mean, after this my 49th year of doing this, I started when I was three. So no, <laughs> uh, my 40 yeah December will be 49 years. December 28th will be 49 years since I've been doing this. So I, I, I mean, there's always something new to learn. I am learning that technology is advancing much faster than I'm willing to keep up with it. <laughs> that's one thing, which is good and bad, but. Uh, yeah, it's going fast. That's for sure. There, there's a lot of things that are, are just flying by. Yeah. I, I like oh, I'm learning that the old school ways that we used to do have a lot of validity yeah you know but yeah. the way that the technologies is they don't they it's hard they don't translate over you know like the big console you know okay i gotta i have to go to a the bag and turn the base up okay now on the new consoles you have to tick 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 push button okay turn up the base tick tick get back you know push a bunch of buttons it's not as easy as it was you know but it's also it, in another sense, it is much easier because you take the thumb drive, USB thumb drive, plug in, go to the next venue, plug it in, adjust, you know, get your levels and, 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 and go. So there's advantages to the new technology. Okay, here's a question for you then. When you take a snapshot of those scenes, when is that happening for, with you for an artist? Is this during pre-production? Is there a lot of pre-production that you do? I, uh, y yes, yes and no. Uh, to start of a tour, for example, uh, I'll 
make this, the, um, I'll make this, the input list and the mic list. Uh, and of course they always vary you know, you're going to get a 451 on at one venue where the next you're going to get a SM 81, you know, and they, they're different mics, but they work the same purpose. So you can't be exact on the setup, but, um, I'll go and I'll, I'll make the input list and then I'll try uh, to go early to program a console and then I'll save it on a thumb drive. And then of course things change. Oh, that didn't work. We have to change this. So I'll go back and edit it on the next show. I'll do the input list and then I'll go back and edit it. Thank, uh, thankfully I, um, I, um, live about 10 minutes from Antium Sound, and I've been a decent client of theirs over the years. So Martin lets me come over and uh, they'll throw a CL5 up or whatever. They'll throw a console up in the back and let me fix my programming over there, uh, which is great. So I, I can do it before I go. Additionally, on this new tour with this Persian artist I'm working with, I went over there with the first input list I had and programmed it ahead of time. So when I got to the first show, which was in New York last April, I, w I, I didn't have to do that much alteration on it. But I'll set it up, check the PA, how it sounds, playing a couple tunes that I use, one for the low end, one for the high end, one for general level and balance, walk the room, and then I'll listen to the bass drum and I'll find out where the stereo fader is going to sit, you know, by listening to the bass drum first. And then the vocal second, the lead vocal, and then everything else just kind of fills in uh, on my scene save. Mm -hmm. I just kind of adjust the preamps a little bit and EQ, everything just falls right into place. But I do do that at the beginning and then I'll save that scene. And I rarely uh, adjust it at the end. I, I rarely resave it at the end because it's it's a good starting point. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm missing something here. So you go over to the sound company. They set up a console, and you said you you set the levels for the 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 kick and for the. Oh no no no! Oh. That's after when I get to the venue. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Okay. So. I was gonna I was gonna say, are you playing a, you know some tracks back that you? Uh, there's a multi-track back that you can do that. People do that. Yeah. I, I, it's interesting concept but no i i do it once i get to the show to see where that scene that i loaded because the left right for example this last show i did in vancouver man i had it down minus 20 db and the pa was just slamming loud you know because that's oh that's so much headroom so i i need to once i do the scene I, I don't have to go back and change all the levels on every 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 um channel you know, it all matches up. I just need to find out where the stereo uh, fader sits, and then I do the, the sub, the sub, you know, sub woofer, do the subs, and then I do the front fills, walk the room. Everything falls right into place. I'm glad you brought that up. You're one of the few live sound engineers that don't seem to crank the subwoofers really loud. I mean, it, it just seems to be normal where there's so many concerts that you go to where the subs are just roaring and they're they're way louder than, than it's to me than they, they to ought be. to be. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, I like to hear it how a band sounds, you know. You play music, you know. And, uh, you come from a musician's background as I did when I was a kid and I, I know how the band sounds, you know. 
So, yeah, it seems to be the way the kick and the bass, the low end these days gets out of control to me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I have a theory that there's a whole generation of engineers that learn the wrong way. So they learn from somebody saying, yeah, concentrate on that kick drum and make sure that's really loud. Yeah, I think you're right. Even country music, you ever go to, there's a little club here on Sunset and East Hollywood that has a Sunday afternoon. They call it the Grand Old Echo. And I used to go down there on Sundays. I had a lot of friends and, and that Americana thing in there. That would, that would be it, you know, nice country music. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> Turn the kick down about 20 dB, please. Yeah, yeah, right, right. It's a new thing, I guess. It's not my thing, but it works. I, I can find a nice balance now, too. You know, it, it depends what kind of music it is. You know, like when I worked with Gugush, the, the Persian superstar, I, I made it more musical with this new guy, Sharam Sharape is his name, a nice guy in the world. They want it up a little more. And when you hear the music, it's the 6-8 dance music, and it's fun part. So I, I kick it up uh, more put the low end up a little more, but it, it works really, really well. So it's a, it's a genre dependent, you know, but um, you watch the audience too. You have to watch the audience, you know, what, how are they reacting? Do they like this? Is it too loud? Is it, uh, you know, oh, sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. So that's kind of the most important thing. You know, I read things in some online, um, forums you know what do you do to keep your band happy what kind of question what kind of question is that yeah. they hired you because they're happy with your abilities to make them sound good your uh focus has to be on the audience what is the audience who's paying their hard-earned money you know coming out for the weekend they saved all week they bought these tickets that are way too expensive to go to the show what do they want? You know, that's my focus. And I bring that up a lot. It's not about what you want. It's about what they want. You know, how do you keep your band? I don't keep my band. I don't keep it. You know, they, they're already happy with me or they wouldn't have hired me. You know, it's a weird philosophy, but it works. That's awesome. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that, but it makes perfect sense. I feel guilty if it sounds bad to these poor people who spend all their money to come in. I, I, I really want them to be happy. You know, it's, it's really important. It's really important. You can find out more about Dennis at DennisMoody.com. That's Dennis Moody, D-E-N-N-I-S-M-O-O-D-Y.com. DennisMoody.com. Thanks so much for listening and being in my inner circle. Thank you for listening to these 500 episodes. I never thought I'd be here, to be honest with you. I just thought that maybe this would last a year, and we keep on continuing going on and on and getting terrific guests. So remember, if you do have any questions or comments, send them to me at questions at bobbyosinski.com. You can also learn all about the latest in music news, audio and production news when you sign up for my newsletter at bobbyosinski.com. There you'll also find out about openings for my latest online classes and special events. That's bobbyosinski.com. To listen to the episodes of Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle, go to bobbyosinski.com and select a podcast tab or go to bobbyoinnercircle.com or you can find it in Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Mixcloud, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, 
TuneIn Radio, Radio Public, and Podbean. At BobbyOsinski.com and BobbyOinnerCircle.com, you'll also find a sign-up form for my newsletter and for alerts for new podcasts. This is Bobby Osinski. I will see you next time. Bye.